0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and welcome to another episode of Totally 80s. We love hearing from you, so why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram, or email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com. And just a reminder, if you want to see our faces, you can catch this episode on video as well on our Totally 80s YouTube channel, so go check that out. And joining me today is my partner in all things 80s, the Hall to my oats, the logins to my Messina,
2: the... Uh... You keep giving me the headliners in these partnerships. Okay. You're the headliner. You're the headliner.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Duly noted. All right. You... So the Messina to my logins. Mr. There you John. go.
2: <laughs> Hi. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. So we're coming back with a second episode of Yacht Rock because we just kept stealing away into the night. So mm-hmm. we're just going to get right into it. Today, We this is part two of us discussing the phenomenon that is Yacht Rock. Well, the thing is with us talking about how yacht rock and soft rock are are hip again, there are so many newer artists or relatively newer artists in the last few years that I've, you know, noticed. I mean, the last Daft Punk record had all over it. All the French people seem to really like yacht rock, maybe because they're like sailing in the south of France. I don't know, like Phoenix, Justice, Daft Punk. I hear it, of course, in Poolside, who, you know, the name says it all. Zoot Woman, Empire of the Sun even. Thundercat, of course, obviously, because like, you know, they went right to the source. He went right to the source. He went to Michael McDonald. Right. Even like The Weeknd, like the After Hours record has so much soft rock. He did a remix, actually, of, of In Your Eyes with, with Kenny G.
2: Hmm. Again, <laughs> doesn't give any better than that.
1: <laughs> going straight to the source. Right. But the one who has become the new source that we have to talk about because the record just dropped. Have you heard John Mayer's Sob Rock? Not Soft Rock. Sob Rock. Album is it?
2: I haven't heard it, but I've seen it all over Facebook.
1: I mean, the marketing around it is kind of genius. That's funny. He actually did an interview um, with Apple with Beats Radio where he said he's trying to implant false memories, which is like very Blade Runner esque. He's trying to put, but it's working because you see all the, the visuals alone are making me. It's triggering something. It's triggering, like the Buzzcock said, a, a nostalgia for an age yet to come. Like, I mean. Just well, the way- I,
2: thought boz, I thought it was a riff on a, an old boz skaggs uh industry ad or something you know oh the one that says um
1: life is hard
2: rock soft yeah yeah and the and the album cover itself is very very evocative of that
1: the album cover is like really specific like the visuals for it are like so 85 but sort of like may to july of 85 like they're so specific he's got like You know, he's got, like, the Rick Springfield blazer. Mm -hmm. He's got the Miami Vice pastels. He's got the, like, Daryl Hall mullet. Even, like, I think there was, like, a rule back in the day in the 80s that if you made a music, a certain percentage of your music videos, photo shoots, or album covers had to feature Venetian blind shadows. Oh, yeah. So he's got them. He's got the stripes across his face falling just so. Actually, someone pointed out it looks a lot like the movie poster art for American Gigolo. It looks like uh, Richard Gere's pose in that. You know, everything about it, like, is very Yacht Rock, very, even the title, obviously, even the font on the cover. But, you know, have you when you heard um, Last Train Home, which is the first single off it, did you immediately think Africa by Toto when you
2: heard it? No, but I'll have to listen to it again with that context.
1: Well, it turns out that if you look at the credits, and the album was produced by Don Was, by the way, who did a great job of, of ev- evoking this. But if you look at the credits, two of the people that played on this album are in Toto's touring band. Oh, how funny. Once again, going right to the source.
2: I think the cherry on this uh, Sunday is the uh, nice price sticker on the album cover the that
1: nice price sticker
2: be back
1: because you used to work at like a record store right back in
2: the day many record stores and that was and you know he's on sony and that was sony's uh budget priced uh line of releases was the nice price they would put that sticker on you know for older records so it's kind of it's kind of a joke you know like oh it's already being budget priced and it's, it's funny it's cute yeah how I'm, much
1: How much was the nice? You would know that having worked at a record store back then, how much was the nice price? If you bought a record for the nice price back in like 84, how much were you paying? $399 to
2: $599.
1: That's a bargain. That's a bargain, actually. So yeah, and he even got the font of that right. But also there's another thing, I I don't know if you know, it's the last thing I'll say about just how the visuals for this were just absolute genius. There's like a little flicker of a decal on it that looks like something someone tried to pick off but couldn't like a little just like a little tag like a little like weird like the old maybe the old price tag before they slap the nice price on and it looks like whenever you're shopping and you buy something on the cutout bin and there's like an old vinyl record it just has like all these all this like debris and remnants of like old price tags there's still some stuck like residue wise to this album cover like the detail the attention to detail and then inside it's all like that and there's also like He's name-tracking or, or referencing very specific aesthetics, like the video for Last Train Home. There was another rule back then. If you made a music video, at least a certain percentage of your music videos had to take place in a train station <laughs> or some kind of warehouse. And there's a lot of visuals that are very like Steve Perry O'Sherry's video, yeah, like with the foyer, very, train, very like a sweet child of mine. There was like a whole article written in Variety about how it was like, even like the way the... What Do they call it when like the, the camera's on like a dolly or whatever, like a tracking cut? Even that yeah. was in there. He really I, paid attention in, to detail
2: in excess, don't change, isn't that big hanger with a lot yes. of tracking shots? Yeah, I totally get that reference.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's a I mean, everything about it is John Waite, Peter Cetera, Richard Marks, uh, 80s era Steve Winwood, everything about it. And but again, not any of those are exactly that, which is in planning. The, the false memories of you thinking, like, have I seen this before? What is this reminding me of? And what it's reminding you of people is Yacht Rock. Right. I want to go sailing with John Bear. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back to the actual memories, not the ones implanted in our heads, but the real memories we have of Yacht Rock of the 80s. And we've got such a long way to go, so we might as well get started. We have two special guests today. Our first guest returning uh, for an Encore presentation has been a writer and editor for the All Music Guide and has been a featured commentator on VH1's 100 Greatest Countdown series. More importantly, though, in terms of his unique qualifications for this podcast, he is the co-host of the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast and the host of the legendary web series that kind of started it all in terms of the term Yacht Rock, the web series Yacht Rock. He's also the author of an upcoming book about Yacht Rock. He's also the author of an upcoming book about Yacht Rock. Please welcome Steve Huey, a.k.a. Hollywood
0: Steve. Hey, glad to be back. That's, you know, that's just, that's how much I feel about you guys. (laughs) I love it. Thank
1: you. Thank you for bringing a pun that I haven't already used a dozen times. I feel like you are the one that can definitely do the best lyrical references, along with our second guest. Our second guest today is the founder of Superior Music Publishing, specializing in film and TV music placement. And she is also the host of the monthly Soft Rock Sunday event at the Love Song Bar in Los Angeles, which, again, makes her uniquely qualified for today's topic. So let's bring her on. It is Mara Kugi.
2: Uh, Merritt, you're the woman that I've always dreamed of.
1: I knew it from the start.
0: <laughs> awesome. And all these puns, I really don't know anymore. I know I'm tapped.
1: <laughs> well, it's a serious it's a serious subject. We got to take Yacht Rock seriously. So get, let's get into it. But there were definitely some artists of the era of the soft rock, yacht rock era that even if some people didn't think they were cool, did transition very well into the eighties and the MTV era. And I would say Hall and Oates is one of them. I would say Billy Joel, if you think he qualifies as one of them, I would say um, Chicago was one of them. Absolutely. So what, why do you think there were some artists that did transition and some that just really got left behind?
3: You know, it's interesting because Kenny Loggins and Kenny Loggins. Yes. And Michael McDonald, I mean, they were having massive, massive hits. Like, Yamo Be
1: There came out in, what, 84,
3: maybe? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it was.
1: 84, so we're getting pretty deep into the 80s here. And Kenny Uh, Loggins had movie hit after movie hit. He had, you know, the Caddyshack soundtrack. He had Top Gun. He had Footloose, of course. mm -hmm. He became, like, his own
0: thing. Kenny Loggins was a very versatile singer. Like, he could do pretty much anything. Like, he, even though he's, like, one of the founding fathers of Yacht Rock, He never really did that exclusively. Like if you go listen to a Kenny Loggins album from the late 70s, there's just all kinds of stuff on it. Some of it's soft rock. Some of it isn't. Um, And And the
3: album Messina, you know, was pretty, pretty soft.
0: Yes. That's like classic strummy, acoustic, like Laurel Canyon scene kind of soft rock. (laughs) And then once he gets away from the scene, he's like, I want to do jazz. I've been listening to the Crusaders. i gonna have Bob <laughs> James produce my first two albums.
1: Well, one thing I want to mention is when we started off this podcast talking about what differentiates, even if it's kind of a gray area of uh, soft rock and yacht rock. My understanding is obviously soft rock; it says it all in the name. It's soft, but like yacht rock doesn't actually have to be that soft. Like I hear a song like "Ride Like the Wind," and that's kind of a hard-charging, like, upbeat, kind of, like, somewhat intense song. It's not a mellow song. So, like, is that the big distinction, that, you know, Yacht Rock doesn't have to be totally soft? I mean, like, as you just, you know, like, the Kenny Loggins songs, particularly, you know, like, the Top Gun theme, Danger Zone, not soft, you know? So can Yacht Rock be a little
0: harder? Yeah, especially when you get into, like, the Toto axis of, you know, a lot of their harder moments and, like, other bands, like, yeah, they, there's there's some obscure bands like uh, Balance is one that comes to mind. It had um, I think that had Vinnie Vincent, who later went on to join Kiss, but they uh, like they're trying to sound like Toto. They're trying to do that mm. that slick studio sheen, but on arena rock and have it be more of a a harder rocking sort of thing, but still keeping it really really polished and uh, keeping the emphasis on the musicianship. That's the area of yacht rock that doesn't really qualify as soft rock, but it does qualify as yacht rock because there's that that level of sophistication
2: to it. Mm. That brings up a, a something possibly for debate. Billy Joel is Billy Joel yacht rock. You've got a song like "You May Be You May Be Right."
0: Is I think he's rock? he's super New York in a lot of his sensibilities.
1: <laughs> I will put him in soft rock.
0: Yeah, I mm. will too.
1: Songs are soft rock, not pressure sure though.
3: You are. Song. Not
1: pressure. Well, I have a debate now, <laughs> Mara, you know where I'm going with this. It's the hill I'm going to die on. Okay. So Mara, as I've mentioned, does the, the soft rock DJ sets at love song bar. And I've tried to get her to play for a long time a song that I thought it maybe wasn't soft rock, but was soft rock adjacent, definitely soft rock enough that it could be part of a DJ set and it wouldn't like disrupt the mood. We've argued about this. It's a hill I'm going to die on, but maybe it isn't soft rock. But to make my whole point about how songs like by Kenny Loggins and Christopher Cross uh, could be a little harder sounding, maybe yacht rock, is Only Time Will Tell by Asia, a yacht rock song. Because I think it qualifies. It's got a little bit of an anthemic power balladness to it, but there is that sheen to it. Obviously, we know the pedigree of the guys in Asia. Like I feel like that, and maybe even Heat of the Moment, are at least yacht rock adjacent? What do I know where Mara stands on this? But John and Steve, I give a thumbs down to this theory. Says. Even yacht rock, I, I'll I'll go with you, Mara. That it's not soft rock because it isn't that soft. But since we just had this conversation, that yacht rock could be a little harder, a little more high octane, a little you know more you know anthemic. I feel that only time will tell with its sheen to it. I feel it's certainly not a you know a punk rock song by any stretch of the imagination. Prague adjacent top. There's four. such a thing as soft Prague. You in your yes, Christiana article, you listed all the subgenres: soft R and B, soft soft rock, country. I feel like there's a place for only time will tell, or the band Asia in general within I, this axis.
2: I see where you're coming from, Lindsay. I get Thank
1: it. Thank you. Okay. So from,
2: however, I would say neutered Prague.
1: Okay, I like that term actually.
2: Uh, going down your road, Lindsay, you could consider Europe the final countdown yacht rock then, because it's kind of got that same anthemic feel. But there's just something
1: about the horns at the beginning of of, of uh, the Asia song, "Only Time Will Tell," which is almost Chicagoish. I don't know; it just feels like Europe. the video has people like in leotards, like doing gymnat, you know, like gymnastics to it. I feel. I, maybe it's not soft rock, but I mean, my point is, if Mer, if during your DJ set, if you started to play Only Time Will Tell, it wouldn't be like you were playing like the Dead Kennedys Holiday in Cambodia. People wouldn't be like, why is this? People would continue to drink their, their frothy drinks with umbrellas in it and they would enjoy it. No one would be like, why are you playing this? I feel it aesthetically fits. Is See? it somewhere in this family? Lindsay, yeah.
3: I guarantee you if I played that, someone would come up to me and complain that it wasn't soft rock.
1: I guarantee. It. Are people that snobby at your events that they're that much sticklers for it? When there's other events where people are playing, as Steve mentioned, like Eddie Money and stuff. Like, <laughs> at least Asia, you could, I think you could make a case for it. But Steve, I'm I really feel so strongly about this. I've been like for ten years saying that I feel Asia belongs in the at least the extended yacht rock soft rock family.
2: And Steve, feel absolutely no pressure with your answer.
1: <laughs> He's gonna I, tell me I'm I wrong. Would, Everybody. I, does. Would,
0: I would honestly I'd have to go back and listen to Only Time Will Tell because like, uh-uh. on our, podcast, <laughs> <laughs> our podcast, we've like, we've had to go back and listen to certain things with fresh ears and be like, wait, I didn't think that was, but maybe it is, like Easy Lover um, by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins is one of those where you're like, actually I think this might be. I don't think Asia belongs in that category, but I'm not willing to just say off the top of my head, no, no, definitely not. I don't think heat of the moment is a yacht rock song. It's too, it's too arena rock. Um, but but there's, there's other like soft prog songs from the early eighties. Like, you know, the, uh, the early Phil Collins, Genesis type of stuff that like, that's interesting. It's kind of adjacent, but it's just not coming from the same roots as
2: like, you're throwing it all away. A song like yeah, song. yeah,
0: yeah. Or like That's All. Yeah. Which which kind of has a little it's got a little bounce to it. It's got a little pep in the step, but it's
1: not a legal alien though. No. That song, speaking of not aging well, that song is canceled. <laughs> that song is canceled. <laughs> I mean when I think about <laughs> all the, the, the accent
0: that- on it is so accurate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I think about all the people who played in Asia and who produced Asia, I just, you know, and I get it. I feel it's like ya Prague. Or I do like neutered prog. I do actually feel... Prague is
3: right there. I feel like we have... I mean, we've got a whole new web series here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and you could also... Right. You could also have people who were prog. Yes. Be responsible for neutered prog. Uh,
1: (laughs) I I guess what I'm just saying is You know to the point that we were making earlier There are some artists that just very Like Christopher Cross who are just like Right in the heart of it and then there are other artists Like Kiss or Alice Cooper Or whatever who you would never call Soft rock or yacht rock but they did One or two songs that qualify Uh, Let's get more into like the Deep cuts and stuff or like the forgotten Songs if someone wants to really kind of Get into the deep waters of yacht rock what would, what would you recommend they, they listen to? Like the kind of forgotten, unsung heroes of Yacht Rock.
0: My number one, my number one choice in that department is always uh, the song Nothing You Can Do About It by Airplay. <laughs> Airplay was an attempt to make other studio musicians into the next Toto. And the center of Airplay was David Foster, young David Foster, pre-Chicago, and yeah. his writing and producing partner, Jay Graydon, who played the guitar solo on Peg by, by Steely Dan, they had most of Toto on this record and it's just like them going nuts, like doing, they like, they'll look back now and say, Oh my God, this was so over arranged. And we were just, it was like everything, but the everything in the kitchen sink. But there's this, nothing you can do about it is like, it's a song that they, they gave it to the Manhattan transfer like a year earlier. And it wasn't a single. It was on their 79 album. I think that was Extensions, I want to say. I forget exactly which one. It's on, the, it's on the one from 79. It's an album cut. And they were like, let's just do this ourselves. They also did their own version of After the Love is Gone by Earth, Wind, and Fire on that album with their arrangement where they do different harmony vocals on the chorus. Like, this is how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> um,
1: I have never but, heard this in my life.
2: Did, yeah. did it,
0: there's, there's a lot of deep yacht, There's a lot of deep yacht out there. And was it, all of it has been reissued in Japan on CD and nowhere else.
2: Was it a regional hit anywhere? Did it chart anywhere?
0: No. Was it, no. Lost
2: time?
0: it was a complete flop. Uh they didn't they didn't want a tour behind it because they were like hotshot studio guys. They didn't want to leave LA because that's where all the high paying work was. I get that. And, uh, and they had you know, they just had other things going on. They were produ- they were both producing at that time. Foster was like two years out from doing Chicago and launching his production career into the into the stratosphere and Graydon was busy doing algero at that time who's got some really good yacht rock but yeah it's it's like and, and, and there's also like these record company things where, like the guy who brought us in quit and got there he <laughs> left and then there's nobody around who believed in the record to promote it and it just that got
2: ne- that's a myth that never happens
0: i've <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> never, never
1: like heard the, of that before the
0: thing that they just tell people so they don't feel bad
2: no, it really happens, uh, Mara. I'm I'm going to w- count on you to uh, be the deciding vote on mine because okay. I'm not sure if it's soft rock or if it's yacht rock. And I made reference to this song. I don't know how many times on this podcast, and that is Charlie Dore, Pilot of the Airwaves.
3: I love that song. I is love it,
2: it, it. Is it yacht rock? It has no. been-
3: no, it no. <laughs> no, has a
2: bounce though.
1: It's barely soft rock, but I will accept it because everyone goes nuts when I play it.
2: Sure they would the go
1: nuts if you played Only Time Will Tell, just saying. But anyway, <laughs> as, as, as you were, as you were.
0: Well, so, Here's what's the thing the- though, Charlie Dore has a second album with members of Toto in her backing band, and there is some yacht rock on that record. So, I will call Pilot okay. of the Airwaves Yacht Adjacent.
2: OK, okay.
1: <laughs> that's all okay. I was trying to get with my argument is, yeah, I would settle for, ya, yeah, Jason. But whatever. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Mara, are there any, you know, uh, to answer the question about the, the deep cut, the forgotten song, the undersung song or artist in this in this genre that you would like to uh, name check?
3: You know, I am gonna argue for one you wouldn't expect me to argue for, but I believe that Jefferson Starship has a lot of really okay songs. Once you get rid of the Jefferson, I'm not sold, but I think Count On Me by Jefferson Starship is probably one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Um, That was co-written with, um, I believe his name is Jesse Baelish, is that right? Jesse Barish. And he also wrote Hearts for Marty Balin, which is another beautiful song. So I'm I'm gonna suggest listening to some of those. Why does
1: Jefferson Starship qualify and not Asia? I don't understand. No, a soft rock. It's not softer. Okay, well that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that. So we're talking a lot. Jane doesn't
3: talk- qualify. Jane by Jefferson Starship is not soft or yacht rock. It's and just I a assume, song I
1: don't like. <laughs> I assume we built this city doesn't qualify for anything. J- 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 didn't qualify for the face of the earth.
2: <laughs> J- Jane got popular again. And like, it's almost too post ironic and smarmy and smirky. You know, the people that like it don't really like it. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, a badge to wear. Like I'm cooler than this. And that's not what we're talking about.
1: Well, that's actually a good point. So, obviously, the Yacht Rock series came out in, in 2005. And, and you, we can still all watch that, right? I don't know if it ever got packages like a DVD or like a you know, oh, no, a bigger we,
0: thing. We can't, we can't sell it. We can't make money off of it. <laughs> the, the clearance rights on that is just... but it's, it's, <laughs> it's on YouTube and it's free for the people. It's also on the Channel101.com website. Free for the people. And that's how it will always be. <laughs> so when
1: that came well, out so obviously obviously that was a, a spoof of the genre but it definitely but then you know ironically it became beyond a spoof people started to really like unironically embrace this music when did you see the shift where people were not listening to it or going to events like this because they thought it was funny or ironic to like this music where people just generally were like i love this music i there's a theory that the rise of popularity in yacht rock was tied that it was much like the pina colada song a means of escape because our times are dark and you know people want this kind of like lighthearted breezy music but when did you start to see it being kind of more earnestly embraced by real music fans who particularly ones who may have dismissed it back when it was you know back in the day
0: I mean, I think there was, uh, there's always been those two strains. I mean, the I think the web series introduced people to it and gave it a different image where, you know, they might not have previously considered listening to it, but now that there's sort of like an instruction manual on how to enjoy it, they're okay with it. But I think there was also from the beginning uh, a different set of people who were like, I love this music, I've always loved this music, thank you for bringing it back into the public eye because now I can tell people that I love it and they know what I'm talking about. And I think, you know, the people in the irony camp will eventually go over to the non-ironic camp because (laughs) like, like I was talking about before with craft, it's really good music. And once it gets in your head and you start to see past the surface trappings and like, I don't know how personality sells this music to me. You can just listen to it. and Oh, Oh yeah, they really know what they're doing.
1: And I actually want to ask, taking it from the seventies to the eighties to, to current times, or relative, relatively current times, I would love to talk about you he- hearing the influence of this genre, soft and yacht rock, for that matter, in more modern music. Because I hear it in like bands like Phoenix. I hear it in Daft Punk. I hear it in Chromeo. I hear it in. I did a playlist once that was like modern, you know modern soft rock. I hear it in uh Thundercat, obviously a very good example of, you know mm-hmm. Empire of the Sun. Like I hear it in a lot of like electronic music today. So oh, I hear it about- in a lot of commercials for Viagra or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <I hear laughs> it in- Sinks for everything. I mean,
3: I just can't believe it. And you know, I went to buy Poolside.
1: A- I gotta talk about poolside for you know, but sorry Mara, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I went to buy a new bicycle and they were playing Roberta Flack's song in the store and it was a hipster bike shop. It wasn't you know, like some old futsy store. I kind of feel like it's, we've kind of gotten past the point where people have negative associations with this music at all and can just enjoy it for what it is. I really don't think there's anyone, unless there may be someone who felt very, very strongly about this in the 70s and is just hanging on to it, I really don't think there's anyone who thinks, "Oh, Toto is not a cool band. The Doobie Brothers are not a cool band." Oh, you'd never catch me listening to Toto. You know, nobody would say that if somebody was just listening to it or went to that show. No one would think anything of it, other than they probably, you know, they probably had a good time. So I think we're we're good. We're past some of these negative associations.
1: Are there any other artists, like I mentioned a whole bunch of them, and I mentioned Poolside just now, and even bands like St. Lucia. You know, there's a lot of bands that seem to be referencing that sound. Zoot Woman, who I adore, definitely have done that. Are there any other artists, more current artists, that you think seem to be direct descendants of... of My favorite is is a guy named, his name is Drug Dealer. I love his two records. He
3: put out two records that got the soft rock sound better than any modern recreation that i've heard of it it's really good he has kind of similar to toto in that he has a bunch of musicians that he collaborates with and he has different people singing on different songs one of them is Wise Blood, who's probably the best known singer on his albums mm-hmm. i recommend checking either of his albums out because they have done just a beautiful job with um with getting this song and the the craftsmanship and the spirit right
2: he sort of genre hops a bit more uh, in recent albums, but early stuff by uh, less Yacht Rock, more Soft Rock, early stuff by John Grant really mm. taps mm-hmm. into Carpenter's ABBA, uh, things like that. You know, every every couple of albums will have two or three songs that are in that vein still, but he really knew he was working with Midlake at that time. and uh, Midlake
3: would be another one that did a really good job. I'm sad they don't seem to be active at the moment, but I...
1: I think they did a fantastic job of of kind of getting that sound. I definitely yeah. say blood orange. Oh duh. I mean the weekend. He did a remix of In Your Eyes and Kenny G was on it, like plain saxophone. <laughs> I mean, you know, so and obviously Save Your Tears, like all of like the stuff he did kind of references.
3: There is a you know. bear song while While We Wait for the Others, I think it's called. While While You Wait for the Others. And um, they had Michael McDonald come and re-record the vocal um you know just in place of of ed from grizzly bear and it's fantastic it was great
1: i'd argue that of all these people of the original uh era of soft rock and yacht rock that's had like the biggest renaissance is being kind of reinvented and re-embraced as an absolute hip- hipster it is michael mcdonald who like does collaborate with Thund- thundercat and you know i think everybody you know like you said we talked about africa but then what a fool believes is you know arguably even more popular what do you think it is about um michael mcdonald that kind of makes him like the hipster revivalist of this of this genre i mean
0: like his he's just kind of the sound like he's got the voice that signifies the genre more than anyone else like you hear his voice like oh this must be a yacht rock song it's just like the fastest go-to for a lot of people i think
2: and he was just so ubiquitous in the early 80s. It was like every time he turned around, it was like, oh, there's Michael McDonald on that track. He yeah. does have
1: quite a voice.
3: Like in the 40-year-old version, he was a punchline that they were playing Yamo will be there over and over and he couldn't take it. And that was not that long ago. So I think that he's had a pretty quick career rehabilitation himself. I think he I, hasn't maintained you know.
1: I do remember, Mayor, we were at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of years ago when there was this amazing. I don't know if they actually specifically billed it as a Yacht Rock show, but that's what we called it because it was Christopher Cross, Michael McDonald and, and Kenny Loggins. And Christopher Cross was actually the opener because, as we said, he didn't quite get the do as the others. And what he did ride like the wind and Michael McDonald came out to to guest on it, you know, when Michael McDonald came out and sang that part, the Hollywood book erupted the minute they heard his voice. He does have probably like the most distinctive voice for all of, of this. But since we're, you know, talking
2: about how. One of the most classic SCTV sketches ever.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say earlier is like, even even back in the eighties, they were kind of sending him up. It was like, this guy is on every record. He just drives around LA all day, running from session to session and sings on everything. <laughs> it's the best.
1: <laughs> well, since we've been talking a lot about, you know, how this uh, this sound basically be- this aesthetic became embraced in a non first in an ironic way and then in a non ironic way. And then uh, it sort of has now found itself in a lot of more modern music. Does this feel vindicating to you guys as kind of like ahead of the curve, longtime fans to see that you guys were. That you guys were right, basically. That this music deserves. Oh, absolutely!
0: Deserved- yes. <laughs> in a word, yes. <laughs> this is absolutely vindicating.
1: Awesome, and we what were,
0: about? We were right, and we were right first.
1: Yes, so you guys got to stay ahead of the curve as we wrap up. I, you know, you guys have all these things going on, Mara. When is now that the pandemic is? You know, things are reopening in Los Angeles. When are you going to start doing your soft rock Sundays again? And how can you know people? I, first, I have to make sure that the venue has even survived the
3: pandemic, which I think that it has. But um, you can check out the Soft Rock Sunday page on Facebook. We'll alert you to when the next event is happening, which will hopefully be um, within the next couple of months.
1: Will you just play? Only time will tell for each just to celebrate that we can be back oh. celebrating together. Can you consider right, it? I
3: have a copy of it, though. But yeah, all right.
1: <laughs> And then, Steve, your work—you have you—you you have a podcast, and you have like a book. Tell uh, tell everybody what you're working on in terms of keeping, you know, this, you know, celebrating this genre and the history of it.
0: So, our podcast is has been dormant for a while because we got a book deal to write a book about the actual history of yacht rock, which we've been researching the hell out of and writing up f- since about the start of the pandemic. Boy, it's an undertaking. It's. <laughs> Uh, cause now we actually have to, we actually try to get it right instead of just making stuff up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that takes a lot of effort. Uh, especially like we, we all have day jobs and we work fairly long hours. So this is kind of a, you know, it's a labor of love in our downtime and God, we wish we had more downtime, but, um, this book is scheduled at the moment to be published in the spring, summer of 2022. Uh, it'll be a seasonally appropriate release in time for summer so that, People can take it to the beach and read about Yacht Rock if they want. And that's uh, scheduled to be published by Little Brown UK, American Rights to Be Determined. This grew out of a BBC4, do- a BBC Four, I think it was, documentary last summer or sorry, summer of 2019 about, it was a two-parter about Yacht Rock and trying to introduce this American phenomenon to British audiences. And apparently it went over very well. And we were approached by uh, Steve Lukather's literary agent, like, hey, can you do you, if you guys want to turn this, all this podcast work you've done into a book, we can sell this right now. And you're like, okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's get this proposal ready. Let's just marinate in the words Steve Lukather's literary agent for a few sneakers. <laughs>
0: yeah, he, uh, he published his memoir not too long ago, The Gospel According to Luke. I love it. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's available on Amazon and uh, wherever, wherever books are sold.
1: So it's coming out in 2022. So in in yes. the in the words of Christopher Cross, we've got such a long way to go. Oh boy, do we
0: ever! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I can go for that. I can't wait till that comes out. Thank it's, you so much. I for... can't wait
0: till it comes out either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and are you interviewing? Like, is it going to be like an oral oral history type of thing? Or are you going um, no, to be talking to the people of the genre?
0: There's already been sort of an oral history of soft rock in general, and the guy called it yacht rock. But mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be more kind of us trying to pull the different threads together and explain how the genre works and what the parameters are. And like, here's what was important to the evolution of the genre and then kind of fill in some gaps with interviews here and there. Uh, we're still kind of working out who that's going to be, but um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to try and it's, we're we're trying to put together the actual evolution of the genre and all the connections that people made in, in between these records and like, just paint an overall portrait of what it sounds like and how it turned into other sounds, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, in the meantime, we've had this podcast, which I found very educational. So thank you guys for keeping it soft. It was smooth sailing. It was good time. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm Lindsay Parker. I've been joined today by the logins to my Messina, Mr. John Hughes. We want to thank everybody for listening. Give us a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform and we'll catch you next time with Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally 80s, and please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our
3: next episode, catch you on the flip side.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix...